Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, today we're going to finally tackle one of our most requested topics. Mm -hmm. The decision not to have children. Yes. A.K.A. child-free by choice. Right. And this should be distinguished from being childless. Because if you are child-free, as uh, people of this movement uh, often explain, it's it's a choice. It's an active, empowering lifestyle choice that they make to not Procreate. Whereas someone who's childless, they say, may want to have children and for reasons of infertility, not be able to. Mm-hmm. And according to some Pew research, uh, about one in five American women ends her childbearing years without having a child compared to one in 10 women who did the same thing in the 1970s. Now, they can't separate out all the women in that statistic who were child-free by choice versus those who may want to have a child and couldn't. But because those numbers are going up, they think that more and more women and men who are who are with them or women who are with them are electing to not have children. And in terms of demographics, who's making this child-free choice? Pew found that the most educated women are the ones who are more likely to not have a child. And also white women are the most likely racial or ethnic group to never have a child as well. But that gap is closing, especially in the last few years where they're finding uh, more and more races and ethnicities are choosing not to have children. And this is not just an American phenomenon. It's happening in many countries all over the world. And again, to pull from Pew, more and more couples are saying they don't need to have children to make a successful marriage. You know, if you think about this uh, checklist of things you do in your lifetime, let's say it's go to college, get married, have children, more and more people are t- doing the first two and just saying, hey, we're not going to check that last box. There are a lot of advances in birth control options, and we don't want to bring children into the world. Now, let's go into some of the reasons that people might elect to do this. 
Uh, by far, the biggest uh, reason that's given across a whole host of studies and surveys is that people, you know, like their lifestyles without children. They like their job and want to have more energies to donate to that. They like traveling. They like time alone with their partner. And uh, and that's sort of the main reason. For men specifically, there are four major reasons that they generally don't want to have children as well, such as freedom to change jobs without financial obligations to children, time and space for personal development, much like you were saying, Molly. Uh, they never have felt a need to have children, which is kind of different from women. You don't hear that as much from women simply because there is more of a societal expectation for us to want to have that maternal instinct and want to have children. Um, and then finally, they're just happy and don't really want the responsibility of raising a child. But in today's society, as progressive as we might be, this idea of just not wanting to have that responsibility, not really wanting to pass along your genes to another being, it's pretty controversial. It's pretty controversial because, you know, some will say that desire to pass on your genes, it's an evolutionary imperative. We've got to make more people. But you know what? We were reading one interesting uh, study called Child Free by Choice, a review in the Journal of Cultural Geography. And it talked about that evolutionary uh, desire, you know, because a lot of times on this podcast, we talk about how all these behaviors are subconsciously driven by, you know, the desire to pass along genes and to find the best genes and pass them on. And according to these researchers, one, you know, one part of this drive is the fact that you want to leave something of yourself behind, something that will last, that's this monument to, I guess not a monument to you, but, you know, you're, you've, you're leaving your mark. And a lot of people have done that through having children who pass on the family name, who go on to do, you know, wonderful things, but they're saying that that drive can also be marked by the desire to say, write a book, and that's what you leave behind, or um, or record a podcast. Or record a podcast, and that's what you leave behind. <laughs> and they're saying that in some ways, if if you focus all your desire on writing that book or making these podcasts, it's sort of a purer form of the evolutionary drive than having a child, because the child can go off and make its own decisions and dilute your legacy. Whereas if you've spent all your time that would have been uh, directed towards raising a child towards podcasting or writing or singing songs or whatever, that's a purer form of your legacy. But that same study that you're talking about also points out that if you do make that choice to say, have, you know, have a, have a book or a podcast be your baby in quotes, other people are not necessarily going to understand where you're coming from. For instance, um, in surveys that they've done, uh, polling people on how they perceive couples who choose to be childless, they find that a lot of times child-free couples are seen as less sensitive, less loving, and not as well-adjusted. Right. Simply based on their desire to not have children. Right. And, you know, there are so many articles. Uh, we read just a, a handful of them, but there, there are so many of them where it's these people who are judging the people who don't have children to be selfish and the people who choose not to have children counter that, you know, having children in itself is selfish and that they've probably spent more time thinking about why they didn't want to have children than people who do than some people who do have children. Um, and, you know, it kind of gets into this murky territory of, you know, 
is it is it selfish to want a baby or is it selfish to say, I'm not a good parent for this baby. I'm not going to bring one into the world. And the arguments between both sides can get pretty ugly, as we found in a New York Times article by Lisa Belkin. And this was written in 2000, so it's a little bit dated. But just to give you a little idea of how serious some child-free groups are, um, they sometimes refer to, and these are, again, these are very certain groups. I'm not saying that everyone who wants to be child-free feels this way, but um, they refer to couples in which one parent stays home as sitcoms, as in single-income, two-children, oppressive mortgage, and those who don't have children are thinkers, <laughs> as in two healthy incomes, no kids, and early retirement. Which does sound pretty good. But I mean, it's, it's some, sometimes you get into these groups that have acronyms like that. They, they call kids like spoiled lizards. Sprogs. They're saying they're just squirting out little kids. And it's, um, I think that, you know, the writer picked an extreme of these people who don't want to have children to kind of represent this side. And, uh, and they don't come off looking great. No, I'm just going to say no. that. Well, I do like, I, I like the fact too that in this New York Times article, the, the main person they use to illustrate sort of the, um, the classic child free person is this guy driving around in his Miata shopping for real estate. And the whole reason he needs real estate is because in his current house, uh, he's got families on all sides of him. And it's driving him insane. He cannot stand the sound of children playing football. He cannot stand the sound of children crying in the middle of the night. He doesn't, you know, he's trying to like lay in his hammock and the kids keep coming over and trying to bug him. It's like Mr. Wilson from Dennis the Menace. And, um, and he just has decided that if I've made this choice to be child free, then I don't want to have to see anyone else's children. And, uh, you know, there are people who feel that way. Not everyone who's decided not to have children feels that way. I think people who have children don't want to deal with other people's kids sometimes. But, um, you know, adults can be annoying, too. Sure. And, and we are making we're making the um, this guy sound really petty. And uh, true. In this New York Times article, a lot of the things he points out do seem um, kind of petty. <laughs> but there are. But at the same time, you know, you can call the police on a guy playing drums in the middle of the night, but you can't call the police on a child crying. He's just saying right. that that's an inconsistency in terms of disturbance. Right. And, and there are a lot of very important issues that come up, especially in the workplace, because mm-hmm. there are a lot of added benefits um, for, say, dependent care, um, perhaps you have on-site daycare that allows you to save a lot of money. You might have um, some kind of bonus for adoption. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get tuition assistance, all of these different things that are built into employment packages that people who are child-free say are unfair. Right. You know, a, a insurance for a family of four can be cheaper per person than insurance for a single person. Uh, when you're filing your taxes, there are all these uh, deductions for dependents. And so the people who are, some of these people who are child-free are saying that, yes, it's disturbing to go out to dinner and have to listen to a baby cry, but it's actually the way that our society has instituted a family life as the ideal that can be unfair to the people who have decided not to be child-free, that what a workplace should do is offer a menu of options and you have, let's say, X number of dollars to spend on this menu. If you decide to spend all your dollars on childcare options, that's good. Whereas a single person might be able to elect to have greater vacation because, you know, 
they can go to Paris on a whim because they have no children holding them back. And that's another big thing, time off. Yes. A lot of child-free people say they're picking up the slack for people who have to leave at 6 to kick, get a kid from daycare. Holidays. Uh, holidays. Weekends. Uh, that some bosses will just assume that the people who don't have families, a.k.a. don't have children, have more time to devote to their work, whereas these people may have just as fulfilling lives. It's just they lack that picture on their desk mm-hmm. that has two kids. Now, I'm sure, though, if you ask almost any working parent, they would laugh at the idea that they somehow have it easier in the Mm -hmm. workplace just because of these benefits. And they'd probably laugh at the idea, too, that kids provide some kind of tax shelter for them, (laughs) even though they do, you know, they get a little bump, but not not so much. It's not enormous. So there seems to be a spectrum, at least from what we've read in a lot of these articles, between the extreme guy driving around his Miata who just clearly really hates children. (laughs) And then on the other side, you have, you know, the extreme parents who, you know, maybe do think that something's wrong with you if you don't want to have a kid. But I have a feeling, Molly, that a lot of us are a little more toward the middle. Well, you know, I think that even if you are in the middle and you have kids, uh, it might be hard to imagine that someone who's decided not to have kids isn't going to regret it at some point. You know, I think that there's part of the stigma is the idea that you're going to get to like 60 and just have all this regret Mm -hmm. that you did not go through this rite of passage that everyone else did. And the writer, Lisa Belkin, writes about in this New York Times article about how she didn't think she was going to have kids, even when she was pregnant, didn't love the idea of having kids. And as soon as she had the baby in her arms, was like, oh, I get this. Mm -hmm. I love it. I wouldn't trade it. And they're saying that, You know, it's almost like you've got to have the kid to understand why it's going to be so great, which, you know, I can't think of anything else we push on people like, oh, try this broccoli. You're going to love it. Yeah, it's going to be really good. You know, if someone says, I don't want broccoli, we just we let it be. Right. But uh, no one can believe that a woman or a man is not going to change their mind once they have that little baby in their arms. But a baby costs a lot more than broccoli. I think the statistic that I've seen is that raising a child to the age of 18 costs around $160,000. I think that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, that's not too bad. It's, you know, <laughs> it's pushing a pretty expensive, uh, try it, you'll like it onto someone. Yeah. But it's still, it is fascinating to me, Molly, though, that the idea of being consciously childless is child free. Child free. Thank you. Is such a radical notion. Well, and, you know, let's say that, you know, researchers are not ignorant to the idea like, oh, you know, you're going to be sad when you're 60. Uh, they've they've looked at these people and said, do these people have higher levels of regret? Are they more depressed than the people who had children? And by and large, these studies say no. Like just, for example, one 2007 study uh, that looked at 6000 women and they looked at women who'd had children very early in their lives uh women who'd had children later on, uh, like in their late 30s, and then women who hadn't had children at all. And it was those last two groups that were the happiest. The women who had had children very young, between the ages of 19 and 24, they were the unhappiest. So they're saying that this choice to either delay childbearing or to uh, not go through childbearing at all uh, yields the same amount of happiness. These people are not maladjusted in any way, uh, but they do need, according to the researchers, strong relationships in their life. They do need friends. They do need a spouse, a partner, someone that they can uh, share their life with in some way. But let's say that you have a couple, a married couple, they have each other. 
They think each other's pretty great. Mm-hmm. One question that researchers have looked a lot at is whether or not the addition of a child will improve that union. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people will say, oh, you know what? You need to have a kid because it really just rounds out the marriage. It's the last step. You get, you get the ring, you get the house, you get the dog. Now, now you need a child. And then you'll be complete. And there have been mixed results because at first the knee-jerk response is that, yes, children do improve marriages because divorce rates go down as the number of children go up in a family. But are those parents just staying together even if they don't love each other right? because they have children? Sticking together for the kids. Right. I don't know, Molly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what they're saying is that uh, it's possible that that's the reason why that number goes up. And when they look at the individual happiness of people, which is more subjective, it's harder to say by and large, oh, these marriages are happier. But according to self-reported levels of happiness, the the childless couples are just as happy. Yeah. Once they, and once they control the for, for demographics and for socioeconomic status and all of that, it all comes out in the wash. Basically, a happy couple is a happy couple, whether there's a child in the picture or not. Let's talk about one thing I thought was really interesting when uh, we were researching this, and this is from an essay in Salon, and it's about how uh, the lack of interest in having a child might be a biological thing. Oh, yes. And that is because they've looked at these mice who have a gene called the mess gene, and when uh, the when the mice have the gene, they just nurture everything that moves. They just have that mothering instinct to everything. When the mice don't have the mess gene, they just could care less. They, you know, they live their own lives. They are nice to the people who come in contact with them, but they don't necessarily feel uh, that nurturing impulse that the other mice seem to. So they're saying it's possible that humans may have that as well. And that, you know, when someone says, hey, I don't want to have children, it's not a matter of a well-meaning friend or a relative saying, oh, you're going to change your mind when you see them. Mm-hmm. Just go ahead and have the baby. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that with all of this, whether it's biology or not, everything that I've taken out of all of these articles that we've read is that there's no there's no right choice with it. You know, if if a couple chooses to be child free, why should we judge them? But, you know, we just all these articles are about how often they're judged and again, how some child free couples or people can judge, you know, like that guy who drove the Miata and didn't want to have to ever see a child in his lifetime. And you're right. It really is a matter of eliminating that judgment and believing that you know what's best for any given person. And, you know, that's where sometimes these people who elect to be child-free run up against uh, trouble when they're trying to maintain their child-free lifestyle. And Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about is people who have decided to undergo like a tubal ligation or a vasectomy to prevent ever having children and what they what they find is they have trouble getting a doctor to agree to it. Yes, women under 30 who go elect to have tubal ligation are often turned down, right, by by doctors because doctors think that they are crazy for wanting to render themselves infertile basically at such a young age and believe that they'll immediately regret the decision. Right. They made one woman undergo a psychological exam and, you know, she makes the really good point that you don't have to undergo a psychological exam before you bring children into the world. I think we can all agree. I'm not naming names, but there are some people who do need maybe a psychological exam before they become parents. But, you know, it's like as long as they're making this choice that's been approved by society, you know, in quotes, 
you know, we assume, oh, that's fine. You're crazy, but we all have children. So mm-hmm. here you go. Yeah. Whereas the people who have said either I'm not going to be a good mother. I don't want to bring a kid into this crazy world. Somehow they're the people who are troubled. Well, I think now would be a good time, Molly, to hand things over to our listeners. I want to know what folks out there think about this child-free lifestyle. If you are child-free by choice or if you're childless, I mean, do you think it is selfish to not want to have a child? Let us know your thoughts. Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com is the email address. And I have an email here from Kyle, and it's about an old podcast about cord blood banking. Kyle wrote, I feel you did a great job of going over the pros and cons of private versus public cord blood banking. I'm a clinical pathologist with a specialty in transfusion medicine, so I'm familiar with cord blood management. One thing that is little known about the private companies is that many of them do very little quality control testing to make sure the blood you're paying for is kept viable. When cord blood is donated to a public bank, it is tested for the viability of the cord blood stem cells and also checked to make sure an adequate number of these cells are present in the sample to be useful. They will also check for bacterial contamination to make sure the sample will be safe for future use. Many private companies will store whatever they get. They won't tell you if the sample contains enough viable cells to even be useful in the future or if it has been contaminated. Also, the criteria for safely storing blood over the 18 or so years of your child's life are independently controlled at these private companies. They are not subject to the same federal regulations that public banking and blood storage is, so there's no guarantee that over the years the company will maintain the sample at appropriate temperatures or conditions. You could be paying hundreds of dollars for a sample that is completely useless. I would caution parents who are considering private core blood banking to ask many questions about the storage, maintenance, and testing done on the core blood. So thank you for those words of wisdom, Kyle. Okay, well, I've got one here from Claire in response to our podcast on cellulite. Claire writes, ever since I started going through puberty, I started noticing cellulite on my legs. At one point, I was very ill with anorexia nervosa, and my way of ridding the cellulite was to slap my legs each night for a certain amount of time. And I'm not sure if this ever worked. Now I'm fully recovered, and I still battle cellulite and look at some women who have none, longing to have beautiful, dimple-free legs. I do think diet can help and also exercise. However, I'm not sure if this reduces the appearance more than actually making you feel more confident and not noticing the cellulite as much. In a way, I hope this reassures women that getting skinny will not rid you of cellulite. I was proof of that. But a good head and a healthy attitude will. So thank you, Claire. And again, if you have... Any thoughts you'd like to send our way, our email is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can find us over on Facebook. Give us a like, leave us a comment. Follow us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast. And then finally, you can head over to our blog. It's stuff mom never told you. And it's at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, Click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. 
not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions.